Welcome to church, friends. Let's find our seat this morning. We're going to jump into the word. So good to see all of you this morning. You know, we, we like to not do this, but I'm just feeling a little inspired right now. So if anybody feels embarrassed by this, I'm putting myself out there right now. I'm going to do a pre-apology, but who today, this is your first Sunday here with us at New Life Midtown. Anybody? I'm just curious by show of hands. Hello, Deb. Friends in the back, I want to meet you. Anybody else? This is your first Sunday here. Oh my goodness. Guys, give these guys a hand this morning. Good to, good to see you. We used to do that all the time. Um, 17 years ago when I first came to this church, we would have everybody raise their hands. And I'll never forget, we were in a staff meeting. And uh, somebody said, I think we need to stop having guests raise their hands. They already feel nervous and shy and awkward enough. Nobody wants to be that person who raises. I made you that person today to raise your hand. But you know what? Now I see you and I'm so glad. And I just want to personally welcome you here with us to New Life Midtown. I'm Jay Duncan. I'm the lead pastor. And um, we've been here for 17 years in this city and uh, plan on being here until the Lord buries us. And it is such a delight to pass of this house. You're like, well, that went morbid really fast, didn't it? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I just heard, so earlier this week, Jonathan and I were in a, in a learning conference, in a learning community, and uh, Daniel Grothy just released a book called The Power of Place, and he's like talking about, you need to stick, you need to stay put, you need to be buried in the same place. So I'm like, I need to, babe, we need to go find like burial plots. Like if we're going to be faithful pastors, we got to go find burial plots in Colorado Springs. I'm a faithful pastor, even though I haven't got my burial plot here yet. Guys, welcome to New Life Midtown. We're so glad to have you here. As we were in worship, it, it dawned on me. Oh, by the way, before we jump into this, um, our connect time. Uh, I love our connect time. And we actually pushed pause on this little time of connection, particularly in the season of COVID. And we've, re- we've resurrected it, I don't know what, probably two months ago or so, we've brought this back and... How many of you, just curiosity, not that we're going to do this, but just by show of hands, how many of you would be in favor of a little bit of a longer connection time? Right, let's just, let me see all the, all the extroverts. Look at him. She's like, mm, I don't know. Um, depends on the Sunday. Yeah. So, so like another minute or two, that would probably fill your little tank. Yeah. All right. Just curious. How many of you would be in favor of a shorter connection time? <laughs> How many of you would be in favor of no connection time at all? You guys are crazy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. Now we know who the pure introverts in the house are. Oh, man. All right, hey, grab your Bibles. We're going to jump into the Word this morning. We're on a series in the book of Galatians. And guys, this is my last Sunday to preach to you in about, in about two months, for two months. So um, don't you awe. You guys, are, you guys are in for such a great, great treat the next two months. We've got an incredible lineup of preachers. Pastor Andrew's going to be here uh, next sen- Sunday. Pastor uh, Jason Jackson from New Life Downtown is going to be here the Sunday after. Pastor Melton, who's over outreach, uh, is going to be here the Sunday after. Pastor Jonathan's going to be up four times in the next eight weeks. Yeah, our favorite out of all those lineups. That's exactly right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, have you gotten a burial plot yet here in Colorado Springs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's waiting on me to get mine first. That's right. You're going to put yours right next to Duncan's and Swindles. Boom. Bam. We just drove our stake into the ground, right? <laughs> um, as we were in worship, 
I, I was thinking about just the different people. I felt like the Lord was stirring my heart that in any given Sunday morning that uh, we have this amount of people in a room, there are all different kinds of people that are here with us today and every time that we gather. Uh, there are people in this room today that have been praying for healing in their bodies or in the body of someone that they know and love. And they've been doing that for not weeks, friends, but some of them months and years. Don't you think about that? That this morning somebody has walked into the service and there may be a little hope deferred, right? Multiple surgeries, multiple doctor's visits, so many expenses that have been poured into uh, just the whole medical situation. There are people here that have been praying for their kids for years, right around, right around you, sitting right next to you. You would never know it. There are people here that are struggling with extreme loneliness, people that are struggling with depression and anxiety and panic attacks sitting right next to you, sitting right here in the same room. People in this room that feel like nobody sees them, feel like nobody cares. People in this room that feel like they're targets in the greater community at large. There are people in this room who have been walking with God for years and are struggling with questions about God and feel like they can't ask anybody. People in this room who feel like they're walking under extreme guilt and condemnation, who feel far from God. People in this room who emotionally, they just feel they're tapped out, they're empty. I so love, Jeremy, that prayer that you prayed this morning because that is so real. You know, the, the, be, being in the yoke of parenthood as a mom or a dad, one of the greatest callings, but one of the most challenging and difficult callings, and you never feel like you're doing it right, right? You never feel like you're just crushing the parent game. There are people that are in this room that are fighting for their marriage. There are people in this room that have given up on their marriage. There are people in this room that have not been married yet, that are longing to be married. Guys, all around us, um, well, you just never know the struggle that someone's walking through. That, uh, that is right next to you in this room. And I say these things for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to pray before we jump into the word. And number two, I want to, I want to tenderize us and I want to sensitize us. And my hope and my prayer is that, that here in the laboratory of the gathering, in the laboratory of the gathering space, that God would build radical hospitality inside of us, that we would learn how to see one another, that we would learn how to see by the eyes of the spirit, that we would learn how to discern that we would learn how to go beyond the two-minute uh, little connect time. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, there's a part of the connect time I love, and there's a part of it that I hate because I feel like it's just, what can you really accomplish in two minutes? That being said, you, you, can, you can look around, and you can, if, if, we, if we are meaningful and intentional about that time and that space, you can make a connection or an introduction that can grow into something else, yeah. right? Yeah. You can make a connection um, that goes that, that turns into a lunch, and that lunch could turn into a dinner, and that dinner could turn into a table group, that could turn into a thriving friendship, that could turn into you being someone's point of accountability or a pastoral connection. I mean, like, ne like, never underestimate what could happen even in those two minutes or three or four if we end up expanding that. Um, I want to I sensitize our eyes. I want to sensitize our hearts and... And I hope that this is something that we keep up. We don't necessarily have to name these things every time we get together in this space, but I want us to be aware that everybody who walks in here carries a burden. Everybody who walks in here carries a burden, a struggle of some sort. And Jonathan, I appreciate you introducing that new song, that he is God, there will be no other, and he is here. He's with us in the struggle. Isn't that amazing? But one of the ways that he's with us in the struggle 
is it's not just this sense of it's me and you, God, but one of the ways that God shows up in our struggle is through one another, is with and in and through one another, that we get the privilege of entering into the yoke of someone else's struggle and standing together with them. And guys, listen, sometimes the very best thing that you can do in somebody's struggle is not say a word at all, is just be with them, walk with them. Right? Listen to them cuss, listen to them question, listen to them doubt, listen to them be angry, listen to them be confused, and not feel like you've got to give them an answer for any one of those things. Just be present with them and know and learn that in your presence, the presence of Jesus is right there in that space with them. Amen? So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for you to just look around the room, you guys. Ah, you're a beautiful bunch. And um, I am praying that God would give us eyes to see. I am praying that God will give us hearts that, that lean into one another, hearts that really care for one another. Guys, never take for granted that there might be people in our room today that don't know Christ, that don't know Jesus, that may not feel welcome in a room like this. Never take that for granted. And the way that they feel welcome in this space is through us. It's through you and through me. And so right now, I want us just to look around and just kind of like lock eyes or fixate someone's face in your head. You may not know them, but the Lord might be kind of shining his spotlight on them. And let's just pray for one another in the room before we jump into the word. Father, I'm convinced today that before any of us woke up, you were preparing a place for us today. You are preparing this space. And this space, oh God, we believe is holy. It's sacred. And it's not sacred for any religious reasons. It's sacred because, oh God, you were here. You were here inhabiting this place. You were here inviting us and bidding us to come. You were here proclaiming your goodness, your nearness. You're here proclaiming your presence. You're here, God, telling every single one of us, I'm with you and I'm for you. I'm with you and I'm for you. The gospel says to us, I'm with you and I'm for you. And Lord, today I pray that wherever any of us are, God, those of us who are young and experiencing struggles in school or those of us who are alone and feel like our race is over, wherever we might be in this journey, Lord, I pray today that we would hear and that we would feel and that we would experience that you are with us and that you are for us. God, I pray that as a community, Lord, that you would open our eyes afresh, that you would build deep into this house the spirit of radical hospitality, that you would build into this space, oh God, a a literal presence and a literal spirit of welcome, of welcome. God, that every single one of us would be masters at seeing one another. Lord, we know that there are times and there are seasons when we, 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 we become fixated on our own lives. But God, I pray that overall the ethos and the culture of this house would be that we are a people who see one another, that we are a people who lean in, that we are a people who, who inquire, that we are a people who initiate, that we are a people who respond. And today, oh God, as we come to the word, I pray that great grace would be on every single one of us. Those, Father God, who are experiencing physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain, those of us who feel disoriented in life, those of us who feel we can't breathe, those of us who feel, God, that life is just strangling the life out of us, God, I pray today that you would break in, that you would visit us, God, that you would speak hope to us, that you would resuscitate us, that you would revive us by your spirit, 
and that we would walk out of here, oh God, closer to you, and God, that we would walk out of here with the living hope of Jesus Christ, strong in our spirits again. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you guys. Grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, friends, for those of you who are joining us today for the first time, we have been several weeks into a series in the book of Galatians. I believe we have two, maybe three weeks left here in the book of Galatians. And if you were with us last week, you'll recall me having a freak out moment thinking I have three weeks left and realizing I only had two weeks left and now today is the last day that I have. And so I'm going to try to squeeze several messages into one um, uh, in in the next 20 minutes or so. (laughs) All right. So Galatians chapter three, we're going to begin in verse 26 and we're going to read through chapter four, verse seven. Galatians chapter three, Verse 26, and we're going to take this all the way into the first part of chapter 4, verse 7. So, in Christ Jesus, you are all, everybody say all. All. You are all children of God through faith. For all, say all. all. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female, for you are all, say all, All. you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs. You are heirs. Every single one of us in this room who claim faith in Christ Jesus, you are a beloved son and daughter of God himself, and that makes you an heir of every promise that God has ever given. Isn't that amazing? You are heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, another translation says, but in the fullness of time, That in God's determined time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. That's amazing. Now, for all of our ladies in the house... Um, and depending on which translation you read, some might have come more up to speed to, to translating this into more of a gender neutral. I hope that when you hear sons, and I'm going to go back and read this when we go back through this, and say sons and daughters. But when Paul is using the word sons here, this is a gender neutral word that speaks to all of humanity. Okay, Probably a better word would be children of God. You are all children of God. You are all sons and daughters of God. Verse 6, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. This spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of God himself. And it is the spirit that enables us and it allows us and it empowers us to cry out or to acknowledge that God is father. It's the spirit who calls out Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave. Look at somebody and say, you're no longer a slave. But you are God's child. 
And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, so today I want to talk about the fact that the gospel makes you and me sons and daughters, and the gospel forms us into a new family. We'll see how far we get into this. The gospel makes us sons and daughters, and the gospel forms us into a new family. Now, I'm just curious how many of you have caught on to the fact that every message in this series has, starts, has started with the gospel fill in the blank, right? The gospel speaks to us grace and peace. Uh, the gospel saves. Um, the gospel makes us sons and daughters. Several years ago, though many of you are in this room, you've heard this story, but several years ago in 2008, the Lord kind of led me I want to say by accident, but it wasn't by accident. I feel like the Lord sovereignly led me to this bookstore down. It used to sit off of Nevada and Union. It's called Born Again Used Books. And, and you'll know that this was the Lord if you've ever been into that space at that time. It's, it's moved. It's a lot more organized now. But, man, you walk into that space, and, I mean, if you're claustrophobic, you need to get out of there because things are just in disarray. But I, was, I, was just, I just happened to kind of stumble into this used bookstore, and I'm looking around, and and there's this book that has a 19, early 1980s, late 1970s cover. It's this ugly teal blue with this generic, big, massive script writing that says Abba's Child on there. And for whatever reason, I was just drawn to this book. And the, the funny thing is, it's written by a guy named Brennan Manning. Now, Brennan Manning is popular, or he's well-known, for writing a book called, anybody know? The Ragamuffin Gospel. He's most well-known for the Ragamuffin Gospel, but in my opinion, of all the books of Brennan that I've read, it's the worst book that I've read. I did not like the Ragamuffin Gospel. And so as I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this book, and I'm thinking, I didn't really like the Ragamuffin Gospel. I don't know much about Brennan, but this, this title, Abba's Child, it just spoke to me. I ended up buying the book, and I went home, and I devoured it. And that kind of sent me on this quest for the entirety of 2008, to explore and to discover and to take an adventure into this grand topic of the Father's love and the spirit of sonship or the spirit of adoption or the spirit of what it means to belong to God as God's child. Now, I'm going to push a pause here. I'm going to back up a little bit. So for those of you who've been in the Galatians series with us, you may recall that one of the main things that Paul is addressing is Paul is addressing this idea that Jewish Christians are bringing to the early Christians in Galatia that you have to be Jewish in order to faithfully live out your Christianity. And we've, we've brought that up to speed. We've interpreted that into modern day times. That was in our second message. I encourage you guys to listen to that. And so everything that Paul is doing, he's kicking back against this idea of cultural imperialism. What is cultural imperialism? That's a short way of saying that our culture is more important than your culture. It's, it's a really short way. It's a condensed way of saying that. In order for you to live faithfully as Christians, you have to live out your Christianity according to our culture because our culture is better, and the hour in this is the Jewish culture. And Paul is saying Absolutely not. This is why when you get back into Gen uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, he says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
One of the reasons I had you say all is because in those short verses, you'll see how many times the word all is mentioned. And if you go back into the beginning of chapter 3, you begin to see this everywhere. Paul is attacking this idea that there is this kind of narrow subset of Christians that are only Christians because they are following the Jewish way of life. And Paul is saying, no, when Christ came and when you put your faith in who Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done, it knocked down every dividing wall of distinction and hostility and it has invited every single person into the family of God into the family of God. Now, the family of God is a motif that I want you to, I want you to think about. I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to, for wh- whatever idea you have about church and the people of God, I want to present to you, and I want to appeal to you today that God's greatest metaphor for his people is the family metaphor. It's the family of God. Of all the metaphors, of all the, the titles, of all the ways that God could relate to us as his people, He chooses primarily to relate to us as father, father to son, father to daughter. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that God is, he's after who you are as a son and he's after who you are as a daughter. Turn with me to the book of John chapter one. John chapter one. We're gonna go to several chapters of scripture today. And we're going to look at verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who believe in him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave them the right. Now, as a child of God, friends, you have rights in the family of God. Now, I'm not talking about kind of like, a, like an ugly, entitled, like, you know, like, like I'm going to fight for my rights. The beautiful thing is as a son and daughter in the family of God, you don't have to fight for your rights. Jesus has already fought for you, right? All you have to do is receive the rights which speak to the authority and the privileges that he's given to you as a son and a daughter in his family. Now, I, I love the children of our neighborhood We've moved into this neighborhood about nine months ago, or actually a year ago. And uh, my youngest son, if you don't know him, his name is Israel, and, and he is just, he's the life of the party, right? Everybody loves Israel because Israel knows no stranger. Israel is a friend to all. And he'll meet you for the very first time, and he'll run home. He'll grab stuff out of our pantry that I worked for, that I went to Costco, <laughs> that I bought with my hard-earned money, that I stocked and organized neatly and he'll go in there and he'll just rummage through all that and he'll run out to the park and he'll just start giving out snacks. That's why everybody loves him. That's why he's everyone's friend, right? (laughs) Israel knows no stranger. He is a friend to everyone. And from time to time, Israel likes to bring people into our home. And he likes to give these people kind of free access to um, the goods and the services of the Duncan household, Um, which I think is beautiful. I think is lovely Um, sometimes. At the end of the day... You know, these children in the neighborhood do not have the right, the authority, or the privilege to enter into my space and to to, to, like take access of everything that is there. But my son does. My son does, right? And my son knows 
like all the stuff that you've bought, it's for me. It's, for, it's, not, for, it's not even for my siblings. It's all for me, right? He's like, what are you going to get them? <laughs> Guys, there are rights and there are privileges. There's access to things in God that you have because you are a beloved son and daughter of God, Amen. right? I, I would rather my children operate in the audacity of sonship and daughterhood than for them to always kind of be at a distance wondering whether or not, you know, can, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I have this? Can I have access to this? I would rather them push the boundaries and push the limits of what's available to them. And then we're going we're to work on timing. We're going to work on discipline. We're going to work on submission to what, you know, when and how and how much and all of that. But I want deep in their belly and deep in their bones, I want them to know this, this is my house. This is my house. I'm a Duncan, right? Now, uh, Kingston, on the other hand, he's, he's got this little thing. He's got this like pastor's son complex. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, we're trying to work this out of him. Um, it's so funny. So I took my, my twin boys to the men's retreat for the first time last weekend. And my young boys have been watching their older brother go to the men's retreat for years. And they have just been jonesing like, God, daddy, please, can we go this year? Not this year. Can we go this year? Not this year. Well, they're seven years old. And I thought, okay, well, I took Kenya at five. Like, let's go ahead and let these boys go to the men's retreat. All right. So the night before, we're having a little bit of a kind of training instructional moment. And I tell these boys, I said, listen, guys, like, daddy has, daddy has to pay for you to come and so consequently, like, you've got to be on, and I'm giving them all these directions on how to act and behave. And Kingston goes, what do you mean you have to pay for us to come? Like, we're the pastor's sons. <laughs> King, Kingston is the one who, in children's ministry, he's all like, I know that answer because I'm the pastor's son. Like, Kingston walks in here, and he's like, there is no place off limits in this building. Why? Because, because he's the pastor's son. And I'm like, I'm like, Kingston... <laughs> Listen, but, but Kingston's just carrying this spirit of sonship. He's just carrying like, hey, what's available to my dad? It's available to me. Where my dad gets to go, I get to go. What my dad has purchased, I, I get to be the beneficiary of what my dad has purchased. And the message for us today to carry deep inside of us is, is that if you never read your Bible another day of your life, if you never go to church, if you never tithe, if you never give in the offering, if you never pray another prayer, if you never go to a small group, if you never go on missions trips, you are God's child. Amen. And everything that God has worked to purchase for you in your life, that everything that God has laid his life down to make available for you is available for you. It is yours. Now, the spirit of sonship and daughterhood says, God, I trust you. And this is where Paul talks about the, the tutor of the law, right? He talks about the fact that even though we are children of God, for a season of Israel's life, not my Israel, the Israel, for a season of Israel's life, they had to live under the guardianship and the tutor of the law. So, Here's, so Paul's making this example. The law served a place in your life at one point. And the place that it served was to build discipline inside of Like you needed the law. The law is good. It is inherently good. Yeah. Right? But there comes a time when Jesus Christ came. Jesus now is the one 
who is your tutor. Jesus is the one who says when, and he says how, and he says how much, or he says no to this. He then becomes the fullness and the embodiment of the law for you. Look at this verse again in John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, he gave the authority, and he gave the privilege to become children of God. And that is what we are. Look at verse 13. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but children born of God. Friends, you have been born of God. Your primary identity, I would like to propose this. And particularly what I want to do is I want to speak to all the kind of younger people in the house. And by younger, I mean anybody like 30 and below, right? Your primary identity on this planet is you are a deeply, dearly loved child of God himself. And one of the enemy's strategies, it's one of his plans is to try to come and lie to you about two things, right? The first lie the enemy is assigned to bring to your life is to lie to you about who your father is, right? Now, we live in a broken world with broken family systems, with broken relationships. And what the enemy likes to do is he likes to take the faults and the weaknesses of human beings, and he likes to project them upon God. So if you had an absent father, if you had a distant father, if you had a father who was in the home but never in the home, if you had a father who uh, was emotionally immature or weak or insecure, if you had a father who was not affectionate, the enemy wants to take all of those things then and he wants to project them onto who God is and say obviously that this is who God is. And so God is distant and God is emotionally unavailable and God is judgmental and God is harsh and God is performance driven and God expects these things of you. That is the first lie that the enemy tries to bring into your life. We find this in Genesis chapter 3. We find this in Matthew chapter 4. And he has never changed his strategy, friends. Okay, the second thing that the enemy um, is assigned to do is he wants to lie to you about who you are. So the first lie is he's trying to lie to you about who God is. And the second lie is he wants to lie to you about who you are. And he wants to define you by your mistake. He wants to define you by your inability. He wants to define you by your, um, he wants to define you with where you are in your growth journey. Anybody ever felt that? Right? I, um, one of the most powerful things that someone has ever spoken into my life came actually at a really low point in my life. And without going into a lot of details, uh, I made some very, very poor decisions in, in college. And, um, Uh, As a result of these poor decisions, I was stripped of every leadership title that I had on the campus of ORU. I was a missions team leader. It was stripped. I was a chaplain. It was stripped. And uh, I just, I had a really low point because of these poor decisions. And uh, it happened at the end of the semester. And so the end of the semester is when uh, all of the kind of leadership auxiliary um, opportunities on campus are selecting their leaders for the next year. And uh, I went to our campus pastor, a man by the name of Bill Schuler. He called me into the office after he heard what I had done. And everybody's like, what did you do? I'm not telling you, it's not the point of the story. <laughs> and uh, I went into the campus uh, pastor's office and I was just, I was just expecting it. I'd already been kind of, uh, I'd already been bumped from leadership opportunities. And 
So I was just bracing myself and Pastor Bill looked at me and he said, he said, Jade, we'd like to know if you'd like to be a chaplain again next year. And I'm dumbfounded. I'm thinking how, I, I mean, I was speechless. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, Jade, we don't believe that one poor decision defines your identity or your character. Wow. And friends, I'm telling you, man, when he spoke that into me, shame fell off of me. Condemnation fell off of me. Guilt fell off of me. And friends, I just feel like by the prophetic spirit of the Lord today to speak deep into your very being that one mistake or even a series of mistakes is not great enough or powerful enough to define what God alone reserves the right to define. He alone reserves the right to define who you are. Okay? And he calls you son. And he calls you daughter. And he calls you beloved. Let's look at a couple of verses of scripture. I'm going to just flood you very quickly. As I say that, I'm thinking about Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 just hits me right now. And I think someone this morning needs to hear Romans chapter 8 prophesied over your life. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look right here at verse 38. Romans chapter 8 verse 38. I am convinced. Everybody say, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. You know, sometimes you have to say you're convinced until you get convinced. Sometimes you have to convince yourself, right? Sometimes you have to immerse yourself and meditate on this word and speak this word and declare this word and prophesy this word and pray this word. And over the period of time, guess what will happen? You'll become convinced. Guys, listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you today that I am absolutely and utterly convinced that no matter what situation I'm in, and I've been in situations where I'm way over my head. I've been in situations where I'm the guy speaking and there's no reason why I should be the guy speaking in the room. And the only, the only thing I have to fall back on is I am convinced that I'm a son, that I'm deeply loved, and I've been invited into this space. Amen. There's a thousand pastors on this planet that are more fit to be the New Life Midtown pastor, but I am convinced that God chose me and that I'm his son Amen. and that I'm in process. Amen. Am I the perfect choice? I'm God's choice, Amen. right? Amen. Right? Does that mean that I'm perfect? No, I'm not perfect, but God has invited me. He has chosen me, exactly. okay? And so for every single one of you, no matter what space you are in, your confidence and your, convi your conviction needs to be not in, I have put in the time and so my resume dictates that I belong here. No, God has invited you there, period. That should be what you're convinced of. That and that alone, right? And it doesn't matter what it is. As a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a friend, as a leader, as a business owner, as a ministry leader, your calling is from God. That is where your faith and your confidence should lie. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything. Everybody say anything. 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 In all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God. Amen. Guys, I could lean into this for hours. Amen. Nothing Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Like you have absolutely no idea how powerful the love of God is for you. And the enemy's assignment is to convince you that his love is weak, that his love is a human love, that his love is a frail love, that his love is temperamental, that his love is conditional. That's his assignment. And then on the, on the heels of that, his assignment is to say to you, 
that there are things that can separate you from the love of God. You are unlovely. You are unworthy. You are not valuable. This is the language of the enemy. Friends, no mistake in your life can separate you from the love of God. And he doesn't love you in spite of your mistakes. Like, you have to understand the nuance of this language. No, I, I love you, but I, I love you. And, you know, in spite of what you've done, I, I, st- I still love you. No, no. His love is sure. His love is steady. His belief in you has never wavered. He's on your team. He's, he's, not, he's not folding his arms and saying, why can't you just get, this, get your act together? No, he's, he's for you. His love has not wavered for you. Let's look at another verse of scripture here. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. I'm just gonna play around here for a little bit until we just drive this home a little bit deeper. We'll go to Ephesians chapter one. I'm gonna start with verse three. I got the perfect person on visuals today for this assignment. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Praise be to the God and what? Father, right? He is father. He is your father. He is the best father. He is the perfect father. And no matter what any pastor, coach, parent, father, mother, husband, wife has done or not done in your life, friend, my invitation to you is allow the father to step into that space and fill that void completely. Praise be to the God and father. Let him be father. Let him be to you what he is. Let him be to you what he has always wanted to be and what he has created you to be in your life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, 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 every spiritual blessing in who? In Christ. Your spiritual blessing has nothing to do with you. Your spiritual blessing has nothing to do with whether or not you deserve it. And by the way, you do deserve it because he has determined that you deserve it because he has determined that you are deserving. I know this is messing with our law-based mind. I know. I know that we're going, no, there's things I don't deserve. Listen, you deserve what God determines that you deserve, not what you determine that you deserve. You determine what you deserve based on, not mess it. <laughs> you deserve what God determines that you deserve. That's, that's, that's it right there. Now notice here, just, just one second. Notice in John chapter one, it says, yet to all who, what? Received him. Now you deserve what God determines that you deserve as a son or a daughter. Now, what, what do you need to do? Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Let's keep reading here in Ephesians 1. For he chose us. He chose me. He chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus in accordance with his what? Pleasure and will. Like in layman's terms, in Eugene Peterson's terms, we could just simply say the reason, why he, the reason why he brought you into this planet, the reason why he chose to make you a son and a daughter is because he really gets a lot of pleasure out of it and he wanted to. Wow. 
That's it. Period. And nothing, nothing that you can do will change that. Nothing. There is a space in the heart of God that only you can occupy. There is an intimacy that you experience in God that only you can satisfy in the heart of God. Nobody else. I cannot satisfy that part of who God is like you can. There is a void in the heart of God when you discount yourself from intimacy with God. There is a longing in the heart of God that wants you. He wants the sound of your voice. He wants the gaze of your eyes. He wants your heartbeat. Are you hearing me today? Right? And, if, and for those of you who have multiple friends or those of you who have multiple children or my God, those of you who have multiple dogs, okay, you know what I'm talking about, right? And as, as much as you love the one, you love the other. And as great as the one is, the one cannot satisfy or completely fulfill what the other can do in you. I'm here, to, I'm here to announce to you today good news, you guys. For those of you who feel distant, who feel like you've taken yourself out of the game, you feel condemned, you feel discounted, you've discounted yourself, you hear the voice of the enemy saying that you don't, you don't, you don't belong, you don't belong at the Father's table, I'm, just, I'm here to announce to you guys by the Spirit of God himself, stop wasting time. Stop wasting time. Like every minute that you just allow distance because of the voice of the enemy, like stop empowering the enemy. And I know, I know, I know it's scary, right? Like probably the biggest obstruction, the obstacle in our mind is, is God really as good as Pastor Jade saying that he is? What if he's not? What if he's not? What if I approach him and there's so much fear that surrounds us. What if I come and he actually just slams the hammer down on me? Guys, I'm just, I'm here to tell you, I don't even know what to say about this. I just, I need, I need, I need a word of wisdom right now. I need a word of wisdom to break through every lie of the enemy to tell you that the enemy, that, that the enemy is a liar. He has created a reality that is, that has built a stronghold in your mind. And it's built a stronghold in your attitude and it's built a stronghold in your emotions and it is absolutely configured, it is distorted who God is. And, it is. and he's winning. The enemy is succeeding at keeping you away from the Father's table and the Father's house. And the Father is longing for closeness again with you. He's not looking to punish you. He's not looking to punish you. He's looking to bless you. The Father wants to bless you. The Father wants to lavish you. And you would say, I don't deserve it. Like, how much greater glory does God get to pour out blessing on us when we don't deserve it? We are so programmed by the law. The law has succeeded in tutoring us and Christ Jesus has come and he's come to say, you have no, you cannot even imagine how radical grace is. 
It's liberating. It's empowering. It's joyous. It's joy-filled. You were created to delight in the Father's house, friends. You were created to hear him speak over you and sing over you and dance over you. And I know you're like, oh, this is really syrupy. Or it's the greatest message on the planet. Amen. <laughs> right? And, and I've, I've just chosen to push all my chips on the table. It's the only thing that fights off condemnation. It's the only thing. It's, it's my trump card for every accusing voice of the enemy. I know I don't deserve it. I know I don't deserve this, guys. I'm well acquainted with how short I come, but my faith is not in the works of the law. This is the entire message of the book of Galatians. My faith is not in what I can do. My faith is in the fact that Christ is enough. And because he is enough, and because I've been baptized into him, and because my faith is in who he is, and my faith is in what he has done, I'm a son, and you and me can't change that. Friends, stand with me to your feet this morning. I want to read Ephesians chapter 3 over you. I'm going to start at verse 16, Denise. It says, I pray, I pray, I labor in the place of prayer that out of, listen to this language, out of his glorious riches, Christ would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is spiritual, guys. There is a war for your soul. There's a war for your name. There's a war for your name. There's a war for your name, for your identity. There's a war for your destiny, for what you and you alone can bring to the earth. There's a war, there's a battle. And Paul is, he's entering into this place of intercession and he's like, I am laboring that God would break into this battle and that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen you. You need strength to have faith to believe that this is real. That he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that, why? Why is Paul praying this? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 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 God, I choose to believe. I believe. I throw up my hands in the air and I say, I believe that you are who you are. I believe that you have done what you said that you have done. I believe that it's enough. I believe that the work of the cross is enough. I believe that the voice of the Father speaking identity over me, I believe it's enough. I believe that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. I am convinced. I am convinced. I am convinced. I am convinced that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. My faith is in Christ so that Christ may dwell. He may live. He may build a home in your heart. He he, he wants to build a home. He wants to build a table right in the very center of your being. And he wants to commune there. And he wants to share stories there. And he wants to laugh with you. And he wants to speak into your mistakes. And he wants to hear your secrets and share his secrets with you. He wants to wipe shame off of you. He wants to put you back together. He wants to heal the broken places of your life. And I believe this through faith. And so I pray, listen, I pray that you would be rooted 
and established, rooted and established. If there's ever a season in our lives where we need to drop an anchor and be rooted, it's now. And it's not rooted in our knowledge. It's not rooted in our church attendance. It's not rooted in our our, our greatest pundits. It's not rooted in our intelligence. We are rooted and we are established in the love of God, friends. In the love of God, we are rooted. We, We just shoot our roots deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the love of God. The revelation of the love of God in this season is different than the revelation of the love of God in the past season. Are you hearing me today? I need a fresh revelation of the love of God at 44 with kids that are 14 and 12 and seven, soon to be eight, right? I need a, I need a, I need a revelation of the love of God now that I didn't have 10 years ago. Thank you, God, for 2008. But I need a revelation of your love now so my roots go deeper, so I stand against every storm that the, that the world is bringing against me. Rooted and established in love. Verse 18, that you may have power, 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 together, together, together. This this isn't something that you're going to do by yourself. This isn't a solo act. Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would fill you, that he would give you power so that you can be rooted and established in love, so that together with all of us, with all the Lord's holy people, I need your sonship and I need your daughterhood. I need you to be fully who you are. I need you, I need your personality to be sanctified in the love of the Father, right? Because when that happens, when you grow into maturity, the people around you are affected by that. They're they're called higher into the love of the Father. Together with all the Lord's people to grasp, to imagine, to lay a hold of, to possess, to obtain, to have revelation of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Wasn't that scripture that Aaron read this morning just ridiculous? Can I just read this again to you in the message? God's love is meteoric. Sometimes you got to hear the same thing from a different language. Nobody knew Eugene Peterson in his 80s was a hip-hop artist. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty astronomic. His purpose titanic. His verdicts oceanic. Yet in his, Aaron couldn't say that like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. You cannot even fathom how great, how massive, how expansive, how wide. I'm, I'm, I'm coming up against the limitation of my language to try to convince you how great the, the Father's love is for you. Friends, friends, like just, just take a risk. Just take a risk. Some of you in this room, oh my God, the whole, Holy Ghost, stop it. For real, dude. Some of you in this room have experienced such closeness and intimacy with God and you've not been there in years. You've not been there in years, friends, because the enemy has stepped in. Remember last week, who has bewitched you? Who has cut in on you? Who has lied to you? Who has intercepted you? It's the voice of the enemy lying against the character of God and lying to you about who you are. Now, let me just say this. I'll say this when we're coming to the table. Some of you might be here and you would say, Jay, you don't know what I've done. And if, and if it ever hits the streets on what I've done or what I've not done or what have you, there will be consequences. Consequences and punishment are two different things. I give my kids consequences all the time and I give them consequences out of my love. Are you hearing me? So the love of the Father does not mean that that we will not have consequences. 
It just means that we can trust the judgments and we can trust the discipline of God. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Sorry, guys, I lied to you. I got one more verse. This is my last, this is my last message for weeks, all right, for two months. So I, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing battle for someone's very soul right now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse seven says, actually, let's start up here at verse, at verse, uh, at verse five. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son or his daughter? It says, my son, my daughter, do not make light. Don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Don't allow the enemy to come in and hijack the voice of the father when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Friends, will you just, will you just live in that scripture? You've got to live there. You've got to live there so that you can rightly and appropriately see when God is disciplining you personally or through the people in your life, he's loving you. He's saving you. He's protecting you. He's, he's putting something up that's going to protect you from greater harm. Amen? Can we just maybe just lift up our hands like this? And Holy Spirit, I, I recognize that even the best preacher cannot bring revelation. It's only you. I recognize that even the greatest authors and the way that they masterfully articulate words cannot bring revelation. And it's the Spirit of God who is writing upon the words of men and women. It's the Spirit of God who is breathing inspiration in God today, right now, right now, Holy Spirit, right here in this space. Oh, Spirit of God, don't let us leave without there being that inbreaking of revelation, that tearing off the veil. God, right now, Spirit of God, would you rip off every veil that is keeping us slaves to fear, slaves to the law, slaves to our own performance, God slaves to our own guilt and slaves to our own condemnation and slaves to our own victimization. God, right now, would you rip that veil off and let light enter. Let the light of the Father's love enter and let it form our core identity. You're a son. You are a daughter. Nothing will ever change it. You're not a bad son. You're not a broken daughter. You're a good son. And you are a beloved daughter. God, right now, let the voice of the Father speak to us. Let us hear your voice, oh God. Friends, I want to invite you to this table this morning. This table is the greatest demonstration of sonship to me. 
It's where Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God himself, laid down his life so that we could be brought back into the family. You can exit on the left, come forward, grab one of these small little containers, and we were all going to receive this as a family together. I didn't even get to talk about that we're formed into a new family. Some of y'all need to just listen to uh, the second service podcast because I promise you it's going to come out differently. I think probably the most appropriate thing to do today as you hold this up. Go ahead and break that bread in your hand. This is symbolizing that Christ's body, friends, was broken for you. And what I want us to do is I just want to announce, I want, to, I want us just to prophesy this. I want us to speak this into the atmosphere and speak this over our lives. And I just want us to say together, I want us to say, I am a child of God. Just say that one more time. Let it just fill this room. I am a child of God. Now let us receive this bread and this cup together with hearts of gratitude. Thank you, God. Friends, because of the body and the blood of Christ, he has made you children of God. Yeah, that's worth clapping over. Go ahead and clap. Jonathan, if there's ever a time for us to sing the doxology, it's today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Him above. You'll say, Pastor Jay, you preach that same message all the time. Yep, that's it's the only one I got. And listen, I'm going to go to my grave preaching this message, the grave at the burial plot that I'm going to go purchase here in Colorado Springs. I'm going to miss you guys. Hey, listen, friends, continue being faithful. If you haven't been a part of a table group, man, midtown.newlifechurch.org. There are dozens, there are not dozens, there are a few table groups, half a dozen table groups for you to join, to get plugged in at, to enjoy fellowship this coming Saturday. One of my favorite events, I'm so bummed I can't make it, is City Serve from Cause I Love You. You can sign up at Cause I Love You, C-O-S, I love you.com. 
and you can join the people in this church or, and or, you can join people all across the city. Thousands of people in the church are gonna be hitting the streets to serve and bless our community friends. I would love to see a massive, massive representation from Midtown. You can serve one hour. You can serve several hours. You can sign up at causeiloveyou.com. Or if you receive the Midtown newsletter, you, there's a link and you can sign up there. May the Lord bless you guys. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. The Lord is gracious to you. The Lord is kind to you. The Lord is merciful to you. The Lord is near to you. And may his nearness to you this week overwhelm you. And may he heal you and may the overflow of his goodness in your life, may it spill out and touch the world around you for the glory of his name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Love you guys. We'll see you in December.